Welcome to Diversity Reads. More than a book club, Diversity Reads aspires to be a space of discussion and learning where we interact with diverse fiction works from all over the world. Diversity Reads would like to take a moment of gratitude to recognize we live, learn, and create on unceded ancestral and occupied traditional lands of the Hunkamidam-speaking Musqueam people and acknowledge that you will be joining us from many places near and far, and we would like to allow space for us to acknowledge the traditional caretakers of those lands as well. I encourage you to check out nativeland.ca to learn more about what land and territory you live and work or may be visiting. My name is Coral, she, her pronouns, and I am an Afro-Dominican, a storyteller, producer, and activist. Twice a month, I will be guiding you through captivating reads alongside other creatives who are out to disrupt and deepen our worldview. In today's episode, we will be discussing Akata Witch by Neri Okorafor. Neri is a Nigerian-American author of African-based science fiction and fantasy, African futurism and African Jujuism. Okorafor has won an Ugo, a Nebula, and a World Fantasy Award, as well as a Locus Award. And her many fans include Neil Gaiman, Rick Riordan, and John Green. She is writing a series for Marvel about Shuri, Black Panther's sister, and has a number of book-based projects in development for film and TV, including HBO's adaptation of her novel, Who Fears Death, with George R.R. Martin signed to be an executive producer. Her novel, Akata Warrior of the Akata series is the winner of the Lotus Star and the Locus Award for Best Young Adult Novel. Akata Witch transports the reader to a magical place where nothing is quite what it seems. Born in New York, but living in Aba, Nigeria, 12-year-old Sunny is understandably a little lost. She is albino and thus incredibly sensitive to the sun. All Sunny wants to do is be able to play football and get through another day of school without being bullied. But once she befriends Orlu and Chichi, Sunny is plunged into the world of the leopard people, where your worst defect becomes your greatest asset. Together, Sunny, Orlu, Chichi, and Sasha form the youngest ever Oha Coven. Their mission is to track down Black Hat Otokoto, the man responsible for kidnapping and maiming children. Will Sunny be able to overcome the killers with powers stronger than her own? Or will the future she saw in the flames become a reality? Today's guest is Hope Loderback. Hope is a poet and writer with Zambian roots. She's the community and outreach creator for Learning Writing Essentials, an online creative writing studio, and a member of the Room Magazine editorial board. Hope is currently enrolled in the Writer's Studio at Simon Fraser University, studying fiction. In her spare time, Hope enjoys journal writing and tarot reading. Thank you so much, Hope, for joining me today in our conversation about Akata Witch. Thanks, Coral. Thanks for inviting me on to the Diversity Reads. Yes, it's an absolute pleasure to have you. I am so happy that after meeting you at that beautiful retreat, we've been able to sustain a friendship and now we're working together. So that is super lovely. Uh, before we get started with any specific opinions, what was your first gut reaction about the book? My first reaction was excitement. And I just thought, wow, okay, this is the story that I wish I could have read as a young girl. Um, I, the, the premise itself, I was a little bit uncertain um, with how it would go. I had... I was a bit, I had some misgivings with the fact that the the main character is um, is albino and I'd read a few reviews saying that they didn't like how um, she, she was treated or the idea that um, any side effects she has from albinism is something that needs to be cured by magic. And so I went in with those preconceived um, that the kind of that idea and I was kind of bracing myself for okay how is this going to be treated in the book but as I read it I thought okay I see what the book is actually about um, and it's it's more about self-acceptance 
rather than let's try to cover up these things that the world deems uh, less than good or whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I really loved how the book gave some sort of physicality to the inner self and being mm -hmm. able to kind of like protect and take care of your inner self. It, it was... It was such a lovely read for me. I It also made me realize I haven't read Young Adult in a while because mm -hmm. at times the language, I found it to be very young. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh God, right. These are 13, 14 year old kids. <laughs> and I feel like lately I've been reading a lot of like adult fiction. Right. Yeah, that's something that... Every time I read a YA, I have to think, okay, who is the intended audience for this? And if the language is simpler, it's it's for that reason. But I did find that the characters in this book, I had to go back several times to check their ages. I thought, wait, wait, she's 12? <laughs> like so much is happening to her right now. She's going through so much. Um, but I think these, the, the power of YA is um, writers showing writers writing about young people who are doing big things and just showing the power that young people have when they work together and are starting to make decisions on their own. And that's a really powerful thing to uh, read as an adult because it takes you back to your younger self and you start to think, okay, so where was I when I was 12? You know, how would I react? in the situation if I was with my friends. That's where my mind always goes in this kind of thing. Yeah, no, like the agency of youth. And I, I would like to say that even though this book is sold as a YA, I would have loved to have had this book when I was like a preteen. Mm -hmm. yeah. Like this story so fantastical of people that are going through the same period of life as I am. And that are being so just brave and have so much agency. Because that is something that is very undervalued. I want to say in our society, just the agency of children and teenagers. Um, it's all like people always look up to their parents for like, the most basic things mm -hmm. like do they like this do they want to do this do they want to do that I'm like there's a whole human right there that can answer that question for you and I really yeah. appreciated how um the author handled um the agency of them although yeah at the beginning Sunny did have to sneak out every once in a while because after all they're kids and they're trying to not get grounded um, yeah. Do not recommend a sneaking out of your house. Do not get grounded. Just want to yeah. throw that out there. But <laughs> in the context of the book, I understand the mentality. Yeah, it makes it uh, easier if you have, uh, you know, magical powers that will help you sneak out a little bit, a little bit better. <laughs> that is true. That is true. Like the whole invisibility thing and how it is explained within the mythology of the story. I really liked yeah. it. I thought it was fun. I thought it was really beautiful the way uh, the magic was explained. It was different than anything I read before as far as so I felt like there was more. Uh, I think the, 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 the author did a lot of research into culture and, and, and um, the stories passed down on, on why things are the way they are um, in, in that culture. And I found that, yeah, I just, I felt like there was a lot of introspective moments where the magic really pushed you to examine yourself and uh, kind of your path and place in the world. It wasn't just, oh, this is magic. It's fun. But it was like, no, like you need to actually think about what's happening to you. Yeah. And the reward that comes not from this, not from using the magic, but from learning a lesson from its usage like being purposeful with your use of magic. I really liked the magic system of this universe. I think it was introduced very well in this book, but I do want to know more. And thankfully there's a sequel out. Um, took six years to publish. So I'm really glad I read the book now and know when I would have had to wait six years for the sequel to come out. <laughs> um, but like 
just having read Akata, which I still have so many questions, but that's a good thing because I got captured by how the magic system was introduced here. Just this um, mythology of le uh, leopard people. Mm -hmm. And this is spaces where they connect with their spirituality so freely. Um, but also the understanding that I, I love the word here for non-magical people, lambs. I don't know. Makes me happy. <laughs> but I was like, I know it's not <laughs> intended to, but I don't know. It makes me happy. Um, but also understanding the risks of like the greedy world, which is like the lambs world, the world of non-magical people. And Nettie does a great job at showing the balance uh, between like power and wisdom and how easy it can be to go wrong, even though there's a world that rewards you for learning. The way that I can try to explain it is we have the black hat, the main villain of this portion of the story mm -hmm. and we know he's one of the most knowledgeable people in this universe we know he's also one of the most powerful because of his knowledge but his knowledge doesn't make him dangerous what makes him dangerous is almost defying that knowledge that he has mm -hmm. like seeking out for more than what he's working for um which is obvious, like ultimately he wants to bring the apocalypse or at least that's the sentiment that we get from this book. Right. Um, and Nettie does a great job of showing just how delicate the line is between like a right balance of power and knowledge and defying all you know in order to obtain more than what you worked for or more than what you have a shift at that point. Right. And I think one thing that that one thing that I thought was really neat that was established really soon and really really quickly in the book, in the beginning of the book, is the the monetary system, the chitim, how the gold is not the most valuable, but it's the copper pieces that are and everything in that regard is sort of backwards. And that's a theme that's uh, restated quite often throughout the book is um, the importance of knowledge, but then also just like you said about what's done with that knowledge. And I think something that makes this book stand out, makes the magic system stand out, is the whole magic system is really based, um, it really promotes a sense of humility and yeah. so the most powerful scholars in their world you might not look twice at them in another setting they're just very I mean they're very opposing they've got they each carry a strong energy strong personalities but uh, at the same time they're just very under they, they all have like an understated quality about them in the way that they they talk and address their lives and um, they're not flaunting anything and I think this can also be apparent with um, Chi-Chi and her mother at the very beginning when we were first introduced to them. They live in this hut that's not very pretty. Um, they've got all these books. The inside of their hut isn't, you know, very flashy, nothing. So you would just think, oh, these people are just poor. They don't have much. But as it turns out, they're very rich in knowledge and power. And I think the cool thing with that, that villain or, you know, the, the black hat in this book, you know, once you start to unpack his history and kind of see where he came from, uh, it's, you know, really his, it's his knowledge in the end that's his downfall. Like he's, yeah. he's like you said, he's turned his back on things he knows. He's kind of got this arrogance about him. And in the end that, that gets the better of him like he's not I want to say you know a lot of this book is about knowing what your intentions are behind the magic like it's it's not it's the magic is really fueled by the spiritual spiritual realm and we all know that if you're not spiritually right mm -hmm. inside then all your actions are going to be tainted 
Yeah. And so that's something I thought of. Yeah. And this idea that knowledge doesn't come from power. Knowledge can attain you power, but knowledge doesn't come from power. Knowledge comes from humility. Knowledge comes from camaraderie. Knowledge mm-hmm. comes from from taking the time to listen. All of the all of these themes can be easily translated to real life, especially if we look nowadays. Understand the diversity of experiences. That is knowledge, and that can push us forward. Mm-hmm. But being in the top and ignoring everything below you, that power can be easily taken away. Right, and and you know another thing that's mentioned quite often in the book is it, when Sunny is desperate desperate for answers and she really would have liked to know everything by chapter three but yeah she, she keeps getting told you know just to to wait or to go through this step first and then you'll understand and um I think that's a, a that's a lesson that you know, sometimes the things we want to know that we think we should know, we're just not ready for. And we have to go through painful experiences to to be able to not just process the knowledge that we're about to receive in the end, but to appreciate the knowledge. It's like, you can't reach the roof if you haven't laid the foundation. Exactly. Exactly. And that's one thing that I love about this book is how it just instills that idea of patience, but also knowing and accepting yourself, kind of learning how to trust as you navigate things that you don't understand but learning how to trust, trust knowledge, trust, because the knowledge is knowledge that's been passed down. It's ritualistic. And, and, I mean, I want to talk about the, I don't know if we're getting ahead, but the, the, the library. um, Oh, go ahead. I love the big library that's featured (laughs) in the book. And I thought there was that one line with, um, between that exchange between Sunny and Sugar Cream, where she's noted, where Sunny is noticing all these stacks of books everywhere, and she's wondering, how do you find anything? You know, what's the organizational system? You know, there's no um, Dewey Decimal System here, <laughs> and um, and then the response is just, and I'm I'm just like paraphrasing this, but it's everything has its place. And when it needs to be found, it'll be found um, depending on who needs to find it and for what reasons. And I just think that's so telling about the information that we stumble across in life. Um, Yeah. Sometimes you learn something and it's at the right moment and you think, wow, like I just needed, I needed to know this lesson right now. But if I had received this maybe two months ago, I wouldn't have been ready. I would have dismissed it it wouldn't have hit me the same way that it did. So I love the idea of a library of information being organized kind of around that idea of everything is housed. It's ready. It's waiting for you when you're ready. No, I, I, I really love the concept of the library here because not only is it a space that holds books and holds like the written records of knowledge passed down generations upon generations, but it's also a place of creation. Like we have the people creating new uh, juju charms. Mm -hmm. And we have also Sugar Cream, who is like one of the most knowledgeable people in in the area. Mm -hmm. And overall out of all leper people. So a library is a place where not only can you find written records of history past, but also history in the making and a space where you can not only learn by being passive, by reading, but also by being active and creating and, and challenging yourself to see what's beyond what you have right in front of you at that very moment. So it becomes like a, a history, but also it's like a, a, a living, a living record of just everything of the culture of 
the, how the culture is maintained as well. Yeah, no, I really loved how this um, book, how Akata Witch was very careful to give credit where credit's due. And that is all thanks to the author and the care they put in how they tell their story. Because people are not lumped together as like, oh, we're like the African leopard people. And I know that the author is also Nigerian born. She was raised in America and she will visit Nigeria constantly. Oh, sorry, not Nigerian born, but her parents are Nigerian. Uh, and it shows because it's not once or twice where you read a story where they present Africa as this lumped together place. And this is why it matters to read stories told by the people who can tell those stories or the people who understand the implications of that story being told. Because there was such rich di diversity in this book of people's backgrounds, people's interests. Like there were Igbo people, there were Joruba people, there were like obviously African-American folks. And everybody's identity was put forward and respected. Um, and also, of course, there's the commentary about Akata. Um, but putting that aside for, the, for right now, I really appreciated how the author just took the time to give everybody's identity space and not lump everyone together. It, it added a lot of richness to the story, added complexity and made it more real because we're not lumped together pieces. We are all very intricate individual um, collections. And I don't know, I felt, I felt safe reading this book, if that makes sense, because I felt that if I came into this universe I will be a unique piece as well. I wouldn't be an accessory or a lumped together collection of things, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Which is some things that sometimes I felt reading other universes where I couldn't see myself being, where I, where I didn't see myself represented by any of the characters, any of their identities or any of their kind of personalities in the story. Right, yeah, I totally agree. The cool thing about this book, written by a Nigerian American writer and in the book, we've got, you know, African-American, we've got a Nigerian-American main character. And then we've got, we've got um, Chichi and Orlu who are, who have lived in their, their hometowns their whole life, but they're also from different um, cultural, like different tribal backgrounds. And that is something that's brought up, but it's not something that is brought up as a way of dividing them it's just a recognition of oh so you're from from that tribe and you speak that language or your mom has this background and she speaks this language uh, and um and then there's sort of like in jokes of oh so your people are like that and our people are like this but it's never in a way that it's like okay so we're just going to cut you off completely um there's yeah. a the, the diversity is beautiful because it's it's showing it's showcasing how diverse Africa is even in in the different African countries like there's many different tribes and how they all interact together you know that's sort of explored a little bit as well and yeah. I think that's a beautiful showcase to show people that there is so much diversity in this just one country, this one portion of land that we're, you know, exploring with the characters. And, um, you know, I agree with you about feeling safe while reading this, you know, in this story, Sunny is the one who's kind of being othered yeah. um, for many reasons, you know, being the American, um, having albinism and, and yet she's still and, and being a free agent as being well. Being a free agent, yeah. Being a free agent. and But when she's in um, Leopard Knox, she's a part of things and people are accepting. And I think that's a really important lesson for, you know, for 
preteens, young people to read, for anyone to mm. read, especially, you know, young Black kids to know that you can have differences and, and, and still be accepted as part as the group. And I really like that about the, the group of four kids is that they're all different and they have different things that make them tick, but they can come together and as a group, they're, they accept each other and they, they love each other and support each other. Yeah, I feel like, yeah, as you mentioned, this is a very important read for youth to be introduced to such beautiful diversity. Um, a lot of people are saying that this story is the Nigerian Harry Potter. And I personally am not a fan of validating Black work against a white author. And I think these two stories function very differently, even if they both target similar age groups and they both have a magical system. But I have a um, lot of opinions about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. And as a person that grew up with Harry Potter, I can say I didn't feel as safe reading Harry Potter as I felt reading this. Because in Harry Potter, there was no one for me to feel comfortable like existing within, if that makes sense. No, um, totally. Of course, if anyone has been in the internet in the past, honestly, 20 years, um, you can read a lot about the multiple racist stereotypes that um, J.K. Rowling uses in her, in, in her work. Racist, homophobic, transphobic stereotypes. So like this world, the world of Harry Potter, what's made it inclusive, it's the fandom. People have taken this world and ran with it. But Agatha Witch is designed to showcase the beauty of diversity, especially mm -hmm. racial diversity and especially ethnic diversity. In an inclusive manner, I think. Yeah. So as I read this, I kept going, oh, this reminds me of Harry Potter. This reminds me of Harry Potter. But better because... <laughs> the, <laughs> can I say that? Yeah, because of Go the ahead. angle from which it was written. And it's because... You know, there's a lot of, and I think it comes down to the, the overall themes of the book. With Harry Potter, there's a lot of, I mean, I think the major theme was about love and how Harry's mom, his mother's love saved his life. And so the opposite, you know, love in that context, there's a lot of hate going on in the book. And there's depictions of hate groups and racism. So reading that as a young black kid, I'm thinking, whoa, this kind of hits close to home in a way that doesn't make me feel comfortable because, you know, when they're saying the word, um, I can't even, I can't even remember what the mud word blood? is. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, there's scrub from my mind. Yeah, so when they say mud blood, <laughs> I'm like, oh, I wonder what that could be. <laughs> and and then, you know, there was just, you know, the stuff with the house elves and, and stuff like that. And the whole, the whole magical system in that, world is rooted in something so different than what is presented in Akata Witch. And so although the magical system in Harry Potter was exciting and, you know, I, you know, when I was younger, I thought, oh, I want to go to Hogwarts for sure. It, there was still like a, an, a terrifying aspect to the whole experience. I mean, in Leopard Knox, in the Cat of Witch, there, there are terrifying aspects of it. Like they're pretty clear <laughs> yeah. saying, if you do this, you're going to die. If you do this, you're, you're going to die. But since, I don't know, I, I, maybe it's the, the mentorship aspect of the, the magical system in, in a Cat of Witch that's presented uh, with the Leopard people that it just seems more comforting. And yeah. And also, yeah, and the, the way the unpleasant things are not rooted in the same sort of oppressive tropes that flow through Harry Potter. And I think that's all about the intention of the writer. Yeah, yeah. And also, very, very important, the money system in Akata Witch makes so much more sense. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, the money system in Harry Potter can't just not. Akata yeah. Witch's got it right. Um, I remember being, I remember when I was really into Harry Potter, when I first started reading it, I sat down and I was trying to, uh, I was trying to figure out how do, how do you exchange, what would the exchange rate be with this money? And it just doesn't make sense. And yeah, and you know, that's a, the money thing is a good point of the, you know, how Harry comes into all this money 
inherited from his parents. And so it, it automatically gives him a leg up in society over other people so that he's able to succeed. And so the funny thing about a cat or witch is that even though um, Sunny receives a lot of copper coins and she's the, or the, the chitim, it's because she's earned it through knowledge. And at the same time, her friends are still earning that same money. It's not like, okay, now you're the rich kid just because it's like you're yeah. earning this because you're learning. And so it's more rewarded. And I think that's a much more relatable lesson to read. I, it's more like, okay, so yeah, it just places a different um, importance on, on money, which is another theme in Akata Witch, which is, you know, not just strive after sort of these superficial things in life. Definitely. Um, it, it is a lot more equitable in how money is earned and money is given out by the spirit. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and then I guess going away a little bit from the comparison on these two kind of like culture shifting fantasy series and right. going a little bit more focused on Akata Witch, I would love to talk about the idea of the Akata, of the Nigerian, when they come to uh, Nigeria. From my research on the term, it's mostly used by the Yoruba people. But this idea of the person that is from here and there, but also from neither place. I can only relate in a very superficial level, in the sense that I've been living abroad for the past couple of years. And especially this past year, I feel like I have no sense of connection with my homeland because I haven't been able to visit it. But this idea that you have to somehow make up for the fact that you are not 100% something. And you have to make up for that fact at both places. Right. Like, I, I really felt Sunny's and also Sasha's struggle with being like, I am no less of a person. I am no less deserving of being here because I am from here or from there. Right. I definitely can identify with that struggle being Zambian Canadian. And I was born in Zambia and I lived there for a few years, but... Um, then I, I lived in the United States and I also lived in Cape Town, South Africa. And so it was always feeling like, um, when people would ask where I'm from, it's, it was a long story. It was a, it was a, lo- a lot to unpack because it's like, well, I'm technically Zambian, but I haven't lived there and I don't know the language and I grew up in the States, but guess what? I'm not American either. <laughs> I have Canadian <laughs> citizenship. And so, um, and so it's been a journey through realizing that you can be multiple things and be whole at the same time. And, um, yeah, just, I guess that feeling of, um, yeah, I guess it's the feeling of of being whole and, and then how you show up in in either of those spaces. Uh, and I think in in Sunny's case, obviously physically, um, she stands out so people would, would clock her. But for Sasha, it's more of a language barrier, a cultural barrier, a frustration uh, since back in the, when he was in the States, obviously as a leopard person he is separated from the lambs because of his knowledge of his use of magic and that whole background and he's got all this knowledge and he's angry about the things he's seeing happening to his peers his family and and so there's a part of him that's not accepted there apart from being a black american and, and those struggles and then when he goes back to nigeria now it's Okay, physically, he may look like he fits in, but there's the cultural cultural language barriers that people who are, have, have lived there all their lives are able to clock him right away and say, hey, you're not, you're not actually from here. Or, you know, and, and so I think that yeah, is You're something. not from here. You're not one of us. That whole idea. Yeah, yeah. And for Sunny as well, it's, it's like, you know, you're she grew up in the U.S. and then moved around, came back. And and then with uh, the color of her skin, she's being made fun of 
but you know she's very proudly um, who she is yeah and this whole idea that and I just connected it as you were talking that from here from there in Sunny's case also applies in being from the physical realm and the spiritual realm oh yeah yeah and it's yeah so she was never meant to exist and be from just one space and i think for children that have that experience where they they don't feel like they are fully from one place sunny's a great example of just understanding that you are pieces of all of these places you were never meant to be just from one place just because of by the end of the story sunny is very much at peace with who she is or you know as at peace as you can be at 13 before any other struggles come your way <laughs> um but she is very much at peace with the fact that she is from here and from there, United States, Nigeria, the spiritual realm, the physical realm. Yeah. And so she's the lesson there, I think, is, is you know, really. And what I love about the what did they call them, the spirit faces. Yes. And, oh, yeah. I feel like I spent half the book trying to imagine mine. <laughs> exactly. And I, I love that that's just connecting with your truest self and there's a, a level of vulnerability there, um, but power, because once you're able to connect with that, you're able to access this other side of yourself, you, you, your full self, your, your true self. And, and yeah, I think the journey of being able to be okay with having multiple uh, sides to your personality, to your experience, being able to speak proudly on each side and to hide one thing is so important um you know like when I was younger and I was living in Texas I was so proud to talk about my Zambian background um I I found old papers that I wrote and I'm like my name is Hope and I'm Zambian Canadian like not Zambian or not not African American but Zambian Canadian and like let me tell you all about it and <laughs> and being able to harness both sides of the experience of you know this is how I came to be this this is how I came to be this and together that makes me whole and I'm still worthy of being accepted in a wider group of people as I yeah. am you know and I think and I think Sunny really gets that with all the different sides of her her history and her personality and what makes her who she is and then finding a place among the um the leopard people and finding her that strength yeah no and yeah that anchoring that comes from understanding all pieces of you it mm -hmm. kind of grounds you within your body allows you to just both wear your skin as vulnerability and as your armor. Ooh, I love that. <laughs> <laughs> and I, those scenes when, you know, Sunny is first describing uh, where, like wearing her spirit face and feeling like her posture changing. And when she's first w walking across that, uh, the passage to Leopard Knox and you can just feel the joy and the self-love and just feeling strength in knowing who you are in those passages. And I just love that. Like I could have read 10 pages of just about that. <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> I would love I to see it in a movie because I just, oh, it was a beautiful moment. I feel like even the words, the words just dance in the page when you start reading about sunny in her my brain went avatar state and i'm like that's not it um, <laughs> when, you read, <laughs> when you read about sunny when uh, she's crossing the bridge and she's just mm -hmm. dancing her way across the bridge being just 
completely free of restrictions. Um, I, I agree, I will have read 10 pages of it because it's just beautiful. It's just so uplifting while you're reading it. I also felt like dancing and I am not flexible enough to do half the things that they describe in that book. <laughs> no, no, that's why we live vicariously through these characters. <laughs> exactly, exactly. We're readers, not doers in that sense, so yeah. <laughs> and then, um, one last thing I would love to touch on before we conclude this wonderful conversation about this book is from a writer's perspective, what is there to talk about or appreciate from this book? Ooh, good question. So one thing that the author did that I really, I love when stories do this is in between chapters, she gives us a sample page of what Sunny is reading at the time. Kind of the, the pages that were given, you know, from the books, Fast Facts for Free Agents. Um, it's kind of the stuff that she's reading. It's kind of what, it's kind of like a teaser to uh, the action in the next chapter. And so yeah. we read that page and we, we, quite, we might not understand entirely what we're reading about until the action happens. And it's like, oh, okay, all right, this makes sense. And one example was the chapter when um, Sunny confronts that mean girl at her school um, and they get into a fight and the, the page sample that we just read was warning you never to reveal your identity, never you know, tell people what you are and what you can do. And, I, <laughs> and then you know, ooh, there she goes and she kind of <laughs> does her thing and makes a reveal i i was very excited about that passage i thought yes show her show her um you but go, then girl. swiftly justice came and um she she was scooped up um but yeah just i really like the way that that was delivered and how later on in the book you know after sunny has finished reading that we don't get pages you don't get sample pages like that anymore. Yeah. Um, but I, I, one thing that I really liked about the way this book was written is we really get to see Sunny's ups and downs as she navigates all this new information. The character of Sunny, she's likable. She's someone you root for because I think because she's just so earnest in her frustration at everything that's coming to her. She's, she's not, it's not like, okay, you're given this challenge and then she just all of a sudden is super successful and is just the best all of a sudden. It's like, no, like you're, she's struggling. She's messing up. She's not the most eloquent at all times. And, but yeah, like she stumbles. Yeah, no, yeah. She's definitely not unlikable and she stumbles and she gets frustrated but that does not deter her journey and I really appreciated that because in a lot of YA stories we see this hero who suddenly is the best at everything that's ever existed in this new universe they've been thrust uh, towards so I really appreciated seeing Sunny struggle and get frustrated about the gaps in her knowledge and get frustrated about secrets being kept and not being able to access the knowledge that she needs right away. Yeah. Um, and she's so hard on herself. You know, I think there's that journey of her learning to, like, she's already good at, you know, she sticks up for herself a little bit, but her learning to love herself fully and she, she really, at the end, like, she, you, you can feel the strength, you can feel the shift that the character has made. And the way, the way it's written, there's just, I found the pacing to be, I, I found it good. I found, you know, like, we really get to see her challenges and get to see her, her rise up. And the final, in the final battle, it, the battle itself, it happens quite quickly that the final confrontation however the struggle the real battle I think was within Sunny herself and we've yeah. been seeing that journey all throughout the book and so at the end you're just like yes like you did it like you conquered the you know whatever 
(laughs) missing piece you had at the beginning of the book you've found that now or you're on your way to filling it and I think that's the beauty of this this story is um you know I I always say when I'm reading other people's work or when I'm um, writing and say you have to make sure that the readers care yeah the main character like otherwise like why do I care and I think um if at the end of the book like you want to be able to forge an emotional connection to the character um in a way that we care what happens and so we're turning the pages and and at the end of the story we want to feel you know some kind of victory or that something has changed and we want to be able to celebrate i mean that's why we read so that is that we can live vicariously through these books. yeah no i i completely agree we get a fully developed character arc in this book mm-hmm. and even though the end doesn't like tie all the loose ends of the stories and that is why there's a wonderful sequel we still get to feel like sunny came out of the story bigger and better because of it. Um, mm-hmm. Which exactly. can be, yeah, which can be difficult to achieve, in, especially in series, in which like authors may feel like they also need to break apart their character's development throughout the series. But that doesn't mm-hmm. mean that there cannot be a full a fully developed and fully fleshed out journey in each book. That's right. And I think with this world that's introduced in this first book, there's so many different aspects that can be discovered, but ultimately the first lesson, the first journey is the self and, you know, discovering that you're, you're capable of these things that you never knew you could do and, you know, finding yourself in a new community you know, those themes of diversity and, and differences. And then also, you know, what's important, you know, the, what, what, what are, what are our values and how does that affect our lives and the choices that we make? Yeah, there was just really, the book was just really beautifully crafted in that manner. And, um, the care, the characters, like I, I, there were so many great characters in this book, so many vibrant characters and they were all just so different. There, there were so many great settings, um, like the, the leopard knocks, um, crossing that bridge, just going into the, the market, the, um, visiting the, the library and then visiting the different, the festival and the, oh my word, like the, the wrestling match, Yes. Was, oh my God. If there's one thing I wish brutal. there would have been more of, it would have been the character that became the guardian angel. Cause I've really liked that brief interaction. I was like, Oh, yeah. I wonder how he's going to come back. And now oh, he's a guardian angel. That is one thing that I wish like, Oh yeah, my God, I, I like, wish oh, you could have gotten more soon, time with him. <laughs> yeah. And then also that uh, creepy forest, the night runner forest. I love a good creepy forest and that was the one I would have loved to spend a couple more chapters there. But that's just to say that these settings were just so rich with descriptions and all these rich sensory details that really placed me in the scene. And um, it just added so much to, to Sunny's discovering this world and um yeah, that's just another thing that this book was really good at was creating a strong sense of place and and wonder as well. Yeah. It really just brought this village, these spaces alive. I loved to get to know these spaces through Sunny's eyes, to through Nandi's eyes. Um, one last little character that I just wanted to give the special shout out to was the little wasp artist. I don't know why I found that so <laughs> incredibly endearing. <laughs> and I was like, I want one. I want a little like artist that makes little art for me and I can praise them and make them feel good. <laughs> I like the, I don't know. I think they were, they were all, they were, they were all really good. 
Um, I think if can the, the library does the library count as a character? I feel like it's very much a living entity. It's very alive. So yeah, I agree. And oh, yeah, I would just especially, get lost in there. Yeah, no, especially because it's called the Obi Library, and in the book we learned that Obi can mean heart, house, or soul. Mm-hmm. So it's, yeah, I it, loved that fact. Yeah. Yeah. So it's 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 the beating heart. It's the core. It's and you know that just again shows you how much uh, the emphasis on the power of knowledge as something that, you know, literally gives us life. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. All right. One last question before we wrap up our conversation. And this is why do diverse stories matter to you? Diverse stories matter to me because it's important for us to see ourselves written on the page in a way that when when read, when people describe reading as an escape we can see ourselves and we are allowed to fully immerse into characters that reflect somewhat the way we live our lives to people we see in our communities it's a way it's an it's an empowering thing for adults and for kids to see themselves reflected positively as heroes, as people who exist outside of whatever racial stereotypes are thrust upon them out there in the world, to know that as a young Black kid, I don't have to just be delegated to the Black best friend. I can be the hero. So that's why. And and that goes for any BIPOC group, that we're not just the best friend or, you know, the minor love interest, or we're not just here to support uh, a white character's narrative. We have stories of our own. We have cultures of our own and they're great and deserve a space. Thank you so much, Hope, for joining me today to shout about Akata Wish. It was a delight to share thoughts with you. Um, is there any social media that you would like to share with the audience? Yeah, so you could find me on Instagram at Hope Adrift. And also you can find me through my work Instagram at Learn Writing Essentials, where we, we promote inclusive writing opportunities for learning how to tell your story the way you want it to be told. Highly recommend. I know my, that I have really love anytime you guys share prompts or little tips um, because they make me feel like I can really hone in my craft by doing simple tasks. It doesn't have to be a grand thing. It can be a little bit everyday thing. So I do really feel that you guys do an amazing work in turning writing into an accessible art. Thank you. Thank you so much. And, you know, one thing we also really emphasize is self-care in the creative process. That's very important for a creative book and writers and readers out there. Thank you everyone for joining us today and we'll see you in the next one.